Hey, After Buzzers, before we move on to your next topic, we just want to say thanks to our sponsor, Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. Plus, there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Also, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Plus, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. Hey guys, we've got Queer Eye Season 2, A Star is Born But Not the One You're Thinking Of, and set it up. All coming up right now. Destination for TV superfan discussion, AfterBuzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin. Yeah. You came into my life. Anyone? No. 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 I'm not with that. Such a good song. I'm not with it. Ashley, what do you think? Oh, (laughs) can't ask Ashley what she thinks. Yes, who? Jonathan with that. that. Oh my gosh, that was a hair. So who's who is this singing this? That's a good point. It's funny because in this new, well, yeah, in the second season. Okay, well, in the reboot, I guess I would say, mm-hmm. yes, of Queer Eye. In the first two seasons that we've had, like you don't really hear that much of the song, but when you first well, start hearing the lyrics. Well, and that's why. Okay, oh, that's cool. the name it's of the band. Oh, cool, cool. Oh. Someone in the Fab Five. I didn't right, catch. great. And that's why we're playing it for you right now. And welcome. You guys are watching Netflix Picks. We will be talking Queer Eye Season 2. I'm Rick Hong. And on the other side of the table, I have Steve Kaufman. I am Steve Kaufman. I thought you were going to go to the far other side of the table. And Amy Cassandra Martinez. Hi, that's me. Amy, wait. Why don't you tell us about this cool t-shirt that you have really quick? I'm so glad you asked. I found it at the store at the Glendale Galleria. Not sponsored at all. Just a huge fan my first time going there. It's called Papaya. And I saw this shirt and it says, what crap? (laughs) Find me on Instagram. Find me on Instagram. Okay. I had to wear it today because obviously I want you guys to follow me on Instagram. Which which we'll get you in a little bit. But since we open up with (laughs) Queer Eye Season 2. Amy, you watched it. You're a big Queer Eye fan. I am. So how was Season 2 compared to Season 1? So here's the thing. I take my time with these guys. I really do. I've only seen the first episode of Because you like two. to enjoy... Yes, and honestly, we don't know when, when they're going to come back for the next season. These first two seasons were shot basically back-to-back. So, who knows when they're coming back. And I, I want them now, obviously. That's why I take my time. The second season, the first episode, is... I mean, they just get you again. Mm. Right with the tears. Did, waterworks. Did they do the girl? They did. Oh! Did. Yeah. So now we, I'm watching for sure. Okay. Tammy. And Tammy is fantastic. So freaking sweet. And these stories, I think they just get deeper and more... I mean, they're all meaningful. But they just go deep, deep. I mean, you have these Fab Five really crying on camera as well. Just thinking about their past and how it hasn't been that easy uh, you know, coming out and, and facing all of that. And Tammy was so nice. So they just, I mean, they're killing it again, sec, uh, second season. So watch the whole first season if you haven't. If you have, watch it again and then go to second season. Well, it's of so the nice. Fab Five, I mean, I know when it comes to One Direction, I know that Harry Knowles was your favorite, but uh, Harry, <laughs> Harry Knowles, Harry Stylings? Stylings. Yeah, see, Harry Stylings. Harry see, I don't wow. know who they are. See, but who's I, your favorite? I hardly even like One Direction. I know. That's why I said it. <laughs> <laughs> but who is your who's your favorite queer guy? Uh, it would probably... Mm, it would... Uh, Jonathan? Jonathan. 
Yeah, yeah, which, Jonathan. Which guy is he? The long, luscious hair. He's in charge of grooming. And, uh, yeah, I spoke with him. You know, we talked about this before. Yeah, on the carpet. He was the only one that I did get a picture with. Just, I had to ask. It was a very small carpet. And I was like, can, can I please just get a picture <laughs> with you? Yes, of course. And, I mean, he has such a bubbly personality that not that the other guys don't, but his is just like a step above. And he has his own little lingo. Lingo? Nope. Hey, just uh, just like just like Harry Knowles, just like Harry Knowles, lingo, lingo, lingo. Right. yeah, just yeah, lingo. We got Harry Knowles, lingo, you know. And I just made my own up right now. Yes, it's he's so freaking likable. They all are, but I think you know each one has a little something else that they have to offer. And I mean, even comparing it to the first, to the original, Cayenne. Sure. Cayenne was one of my favorites, who was also in charge of grooming. What's different, though, is that uh, Jonathan, this, you know, in the reboot, he actually goes in there and cuts these people's hair. So, hmm. like, Cayenne didn't, which is fine. I think both are great. But to, to see Jonathan be like, okay, and then he'll just, like, grab. No, don't worry. Um, just, like, <laughs> go in there and be like, okay, we're going to do this, and we're going to do this, yes. And then he just goes for it. There's something about that that I think is very... I'm about to sound really LA, but very organic. <laughs> like um, him but I doing like, that. I like how know? it hands on too, because I think a lot of times yeah. with um reality television or as Mike Rowe calls it, unscripted television or real television, <laughs> you find a lot of people who are put in a position by the people who make the show that may or may not actually like that they're kind of cast in a role. Mm-hmm. So it's really genuine to see someone actually jump in and just Yeah. Oh, cool. He actually does hair. Yeah, he's a he's- hairdresser. Like, that's what he does. So for him to to be on the show like this is just absolutely perfect. And people freaking love him, obviously. And, uh, yeah. I, mean- I, don't, I don't buy it one bit. <laughs> Amy Cassandra Martinez is trying to get a free hairdo right now by promoting him on this channel. No, I kidding. mean, sure. Hey, why not? <laughs> yeah, play play and, that game, girl. And honestly, the the clothes that all these guys wear, too. I mean, I could just go on and on. Like they're- They are pretty styling. Uh, who was it? Okay, help me out a little. I think it's Ben Platt, the one that did that musical um, called Dear Evan Hansen. I think it was Sure. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. He tweeted a couple days ago saying, I think Queer Eye should be required watching, which I agree. I think there's something about watching an episode of Queer Eye that you go through all these emotions and you learn a little bit more about yourself and about having empathy and just love is love. Let's just love one another. It makes me feel like I'm about to start quoting um, Mean Girls. Now I'm going to have to start watching this show. Not that I didn't have interest before, but I'm definitely after we've talked. Yeah. And I know how much you like season one. Yeah. Season two. So I'm going to start right at season two, episode one, though. Mm. I mean, well, you should watch them all. No, I know. I'm I'm just saying that's where I'm starting first. I've seen enough of the show. I get it. It's great. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing, though. Like, when you see one episode, you're like, oh, cool. I get the gist. But each one offers something different. And then it's how, about 30 minutes? No, no. It's like 40. 40 minutes? Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, I know I have some friends that they've already binge watched the whole second season. I mean, not a lot of people have. But it's not cool. It's not 13 episodes, though. It's like, it's, it's not... eight, maybe, or five? No, I wouldn't say five. I can check for you because <sighs> my ro- I would my, say nine. My roommate's weird number, probably but. through them already because I've been hearing it and then I haven't heard it. So I think my roommate's probably <laughs> my roommate's probably and by it. roommate Steve Coffin means himself. But nah, I'm I, kidding. Do you, do you think I'd have been that quiet this whole time if I had seen this show? Eight, well, eight, eight, eight. Yeah. So okay. Yeah. That's which is a good amount. Yeah. For a show. Oh, perfect. And now it's just like okay. Well, let's let's get going. Well, would you <laughs> would you want to see that? Would you want to see thirteen episodes for one season, or would you rather? 
Do you like it in eight? I mean, I would not mind 13 episodes. Because that means that they pretty much shot 16 at one time. Correct. Yeah. And then split it up. Yeah. You know, I would also like a little bit, I mean, it's nice what they're doing. And of course, like these are the new generation, right, of Queer Eye. But I'd like to get the old guys back. Not old as an Sure, age. yeah. Just, you know, just a little bit like, oh, look, Or it's even a like a challenge. Uh-huh. Right, just to see them verse each yeah. other with somebody and see how this how it works. There, yeah, that'd be awesome. There was a little something that they had, like a sit-down kind of interview slash chat, all of them together, and I was fangirling hard because I grew up watching Queer Eye for the straight guy, the original ones, right? right? So for them to, to see, you know, this new generation and how much things, yes, they haven't changed, but they really have. I think Queer Eye for the Straight Guy came out of, it was like mid-2000s. And it started on, it started as like a small little like thing on NBC, and then they moved it over to Bravo, mm-hmm. I believe, so. Yeah, and I know, and like Bravo was an interesting choice because, I mean, we didn't have Netflix back then. Well, right? also though, too, is that uh, Bravo is kind of the more, um, I guess I should say, what, it, it was, it caters to... You know LGBTQ, mm-hmm. and, yeah. I think, and I and I think that was the, the non-hetero. Yeah, the no, and I networks. think that was kind of the start was by pushing Queer Eye for the Straight Guy over there, mm-hmm. and then they kind of built their programming that way. I don't I, know. If it was, I don't mean it wasn't well, on purpose. I, I do remember Bravo before Queer Eye. Like the top two programs I can think they had were a celebrity poker show and um, Inside the Actor's Studio. Oh my gosh, right? Yes. And like at some point, yes. at some point, very rapidly, and I think it was Queer Eye. It became Housewives shows. It became Queer Eye. It became, like, a a lot of stuff that was pretty counter to poker. To Celebrity Poker, and then Celebrity Poker wasn't on there anymore. Which happens a lot on, which happens a lot that used to, like, on cable channels, people trying to find their ground of, Mm -hmm. like, what is our programming? Who are we trying to cater to? Like, for example, Spike was something else before, and then Spike turned into, okay, we're hardcore guy channel. Yeah, TNN, TNN, right. It was the Nashville Network, and then it was the National Network, and then it was Spike TV. Spike TV, and now 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 they're they're the Paramount Network, and now they're trying to re-figure out what their programming is, Mm. so... Yeah, yeah, which, I mean, it's it's nice that it, it revolutionized the way Bravo worked, but I also think, like, people think of Bravo now, it's like, ah, uh, and if you don't like reality shows like that, you kind of think, oh, that's what Queer Eye was? Oh, no. So, you know, but well, it, it's nice that but it this has Netflix, come Netflix, so. But this is, which is great, because this is the perfect outlet, I think, for Queer Eye. I mean, mm. fantastic, because now everyone's falling in love with it for the first time. Hmm. Also, Netflix is doing that thing I've been pointing out the last couple of weeks, which is... If you shoot 16 episodes at one time, you don't want to release all 16 at once Mm -hmm. because you get a media bump by releasing a season or Uh releasing. So that, like, I think it was this staircase? I... They released the whole thing, which I'll talk about. Which I'm gonna gonna talk about. Of course, but, like, didn't they release two episodes recently? Or is the, I'm oh, making that up. they're taking their time with it? Kind of like No, explain. no, they released the whole thing. Oh, oh then never I binged mind. the whole thing, but we'll, we'll get that in a second. Explained. Never mind, but I am saying, I am talking about like how they, what they did with Kimmy Schmidt, what they did with the rest of development, what they've done with yeah. Queer Eye, that they're, they'll shoot all the episodes as a regular season, and then they'll break down the season into two separate release dates mm-hmm. in an attempt to get the media buzz around a release twice for the same, for the same production schedule. Which, I mean, I think they have. I think even... Which it like AMC with AMC did that for like The Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. And they were like one of the kind of the first real channels. Well out Breaking there. Bad and Mad Men before that. I would argue yeah. that's, I would Breaking argue Bad. that's because Breaking they did, Bad. Breaking but Bad. they did that with Breaking Bad. I would argue because but other than Breaking Bad and Mad Men, Walking Dead hadn't really picked up. I think that network at that time actually had a lot of trouble AMC. 
Like AMC had a lot yeah, of Yeah, American trouble. movie classics at that time. So they had a lot of trouble really like getting the foothold and rebranding around Breaking Bad and Mad Men. That they really had to slow up those seasons to be sure that like people were still watching. Alright. Moving on, I'm gonna be talking about something that I don't know if Amy Cassandra Martinez was gonna watch this. Mm-hmm. I told her she should. I watched it. I Finally, I loved it. You're talking about next Netflix originals, film, and television. This movie set it up. It exceeded my expectations because the last couple movies that they've had have been eh, but set it up was done very, 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 very well. And one of the things I'm going to contribute is the director has a lot of comedy credits from like The Office, Last Man on Earth. And I think that's what this movie that's how this movie was executed so well, was the editing and the directing. So it's a big recommend on my end. If you're asking me what it's about, it's basically two assistants who work for crazy bosses, which if you live in L.A., you really understand this world for sure, where people are making just insane demands. You're working insane hours. So Glenn Powell and Zoe Deutsch, are, they conspire to get their bosses, Tay Diggs and Lucy Liu, together. And they go on this whole journey together, and it is done very, very well for romantic comedy. I'm like, literally, Amy, I'm telling you, if you didn't have any desire from the trailer, that's okay, but you need to go back and watch it. And I will be shocked if you don't finish it and say it was good, considering you watch crap and say it's good. I'm just kidding. Here's the thing. I wanted to step outside my comfort zone because I think I always recommend rom-coms. or And that's okay. So I left it up to you because I said, you know what? It's time for Rick to to enjoy rom-coms as well. So you're welcome, basically, is what I'm saying. Uh, no, I watch everything, though. I, tr- I try to. Just so if it's a big film release and there's good actors attached to it. But I will definitely say, compared to the other ones that we've watched, where it's like Kissing Booth, Abitha, <gasps> this one, I think, had the right director, for sure, manning the ship for this movie. Well, right talent, I would say. <laughs> No, the talent. No, the talent's great too, and that's that's what I look at. This it's like it's very economical. Like Glenn Powell isn't huge yet, and Zoe Deutsch isn't huge yet. But you recognize them. Like Glenn's been in Expand- Expendables three. He was in um, Hidden Figures. Oh, he was in Hidden Figures. Uh, Zoe Deutsch. Her mom is Leah Thompson. <gasps> oh my! Well, mm-hmm. you should have started with that. As well, it's funny because there is actually kind of a, a Leah Thompson-esque thing that's in the sh- in the uh, movie, and I was like, oh, it's really oh. funny that they're that this is here because her mom has a very good relation to this thing. So, what Back to the Future? Yeah, mm. uh. but, but you have to watch it. I don't want to spoil it for you. But when you watch it, you'll see it. But a lot of good scenes, a lot of good. I mean, if they're talking about set it up, they set up a lot of good things in this movie. So it is a big recommend on my end. Hey, Ashley Chain, are you watching? I can challenge you to watch this before you come back next week. And if you don't, then I know you weren't watching Netflix picks. <laughs> um, you sold me. I'm gonna I'm gonna watch this partially because you were right about Abitha. It was it was not good. I told you not to watch it. I said the, the best no, parts. But- the best parts of that movie was at about ten minutes in, and then after that, it was awful. It was not good. Uh, so that's that. Yeah, that's that's three of the four. Well, I guess Ashley didn't watch it, but Steve, you watched. Uh, wait, you watched? Uh, I watched some stuff. What's no, on- no, 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 no. So you watched the break with Michelle Wolf, which I covered, and I watched a little bit of it. Mm-hmm. And you said you were going to get to it, so I want to know what your take is on it. Um, my take on it is actually. A pretty decent take on a weekly show, which we're at a point now where a weekly late night style comedy show mm-hmm. is 
I don't want to say done to death because it's not done to death, but it's done. It's been done enough. Like with John Oliver, I would say John Oliver was one of the first to do it. But now there's Samantha Bee. Um, there are a couple other shows like that. The, the break with Michelle Wolf had a lot of competition in that realm. And what I like is it's very much about her. She comes out and she comes out and her opening monologue is her with a microphone pretty much doing a set. And at my first thought, I was like, oh, she's going to do a five minute set. Then it's been 10 minutes then probably 12 to 15 minutes. And it's all topical comedy. So mind you, they dropped an episode this morning that I watched this morning. Who is, and who is, who is her guest? Cause she guessed, cause she has, you said like other comedians guest star. Yes. And they talk um, about, they talk about subjects. So who her, was, well, I didn't see them really talk about subjects this time. Uh, but her guest was Hannibal Burris. Oh, sure. He's promoting promoting tag. He was promoting tag. However, he was the final segment. It was maybe three and a half minutes and they played a game. Actually, one of my my favorite joke in the whole thing, and it's probably because I do graphics as well, is they the game they were playing is called Love It or Hate It. And there was just a graphic and they were sitting there and like you could tell that there was a lot of um, prompter. That wasn't going great in that segment. Oh no! But oh, why? well, no, I, I don't mean that. I mean that they were. I think you have Hannibal Burst for ten minutes, and he's just going to read whatever the comedy is. And like sometimes the delivery was a little. The delivery sure. was a little stiff for me sure. for a show that was otherwise super fluid and loose. But what the funniest joke for me was clearly one that wasn't on the prompter was. She mentioned the game, which is I'm going to put something on the screen, and you're going to say whether you love it or hate it, and we're going to go on a rant. And I think. There was like a delay briefly where he just looked at the graphic and was like, I hate this graphic. I think it's this color and then that color and the horns and I don't like it. And then just very matter of factly in the moment, Michelle Wolf goes, so the, the one time I uh, step up and do the graphics and like in that very hurt way, That's it was funny. just really funny. She did a 15 minutes. She did 15 minutes stand up up top. She did. Pretty much two different segments beyond that. One was about suicide, but she made suicide funny, but realistic and like how it's about social media and everything. And then I can't recommend this show enough. It's it doesn't go as deep as John Oliver, but John Oliver literally. But he he also came from like a news type. That was like his thing, Mm -hmm. too, with uh, coming off of Comedy Central and. Well, and he came and he came from Comedy Central and The Daily Show over to over to HBO and he had an idea for a show that was like you're going I'm going to hire investigative journalists. And there's there's a piece I always reference where it was years upon years ago where John Oliver went after investigative did a piece on investigative journalists and how they're being sued and how they're like how people aren't hiring them. And then he was interviewing current investigative journalists and then they were talking about some stories that they were doing and he found out that all of those people, all of the the greatest investigative journalists at the time were actually working on HBO's The Newsroom. <gasps> Oh. That CNN were like no major news network were hiring like the investigative journalism department was so underfunded in every major news station that an investigative journalist to actually do the work they love to do HBO were one of the only people that hired him I always point to that piece as one of the reasons John Oliver was able to pitch a show that it's like HBO is one of the few places that seem to care and are actually hiring these people back to Michelle Wolf I I recommend it wholly do you like her better than Chelsea's show. Granted, they're yes. different. Yes, I just like Chelsea as a host a lot. Amy, what do you think of that? Uh, would it make you go see? Would it make you like watch? Or you don't like either one? Doesn't relate. I mean, I really like John Oliver. I like his style. Mm. 
I might give it a try just because it is slightly different. Um, yeah, because it like drops because it drops once a week. Mm-hmm. It drops like she she only has like one that drop like one that drops once a week. So mm-hmm. it drops on Sundays. Um, I will say it's about her. So did you see her at the White House Correspondents Dinner? Mm-hmm. Or like, oh yeah, and she was also a and she was also a correspondent for Seth Meyers, the Late Show he does. Mm-hmm. So she's she's gone viral a couple times with good comedy that you either like. A person's brand of comedy either is or isn't. Right, right. So I mean, you'll, it'd be worth a try to check it out. You'll know five yeah. minutes into that first set whether you're like, I like this person's comedy, or eh, this is not for me. Right. I think the strongest part of this show is the 15 minutes up top, where she does, a, like for a stand-up comedian of her caliber to do 15 brand new minutes every week, I think is where the strength lies in that whole show. Well, good for her. Yeah. I mean, that's awesome. Because And you know she's working the club, and, like, and you know it... The the comedy is good enough that I feel like she's working club. She's working it in clubs that week, or at least I hope so. Okay, so another Netflix original television that came out. It came out last weekend, and I actually wanted to steer clear from it because last year I got sucked into this crime docudrama called mm. Making a Murder. Oh and man, this Did one, all, and it was which was fantastic. So I didn't really want to get into another one of these things because Netflix seems to be kind of dropping these. But The Staircase was it literally I it was one of those things where like I, I'm glad that the whole the whole series was there or the whole like season was there for me to go through because I just kept churning and churning and churning to get this thing done to see what happens. And it's basically about this guy who professionally is an author. He goes to he has dinner with his wife one night at their house. And he's hanging up by the pool. Oh, I'm already scared. <laughs> and she's and she's you know they were they were drinking quite a bit of wine. She goes inside, and they have like a loud pool because it has like a fountain. So he's just so he's just chilling. You know, like they had a nice little dinner and everything, like lovely from everybody that you know. Initially, they love the couple, and she goes inside, manages to initially trip coming down the stairs, blood everywhere and everything. So then. You hear him, 911 phone call. He's calling him. He's like, you know, send somebody now, 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 now. And it turns into a whole conspiracy of did he kill her or did she fall? And it goes for, yeah, it goes for 13 episodes covering this whole thing, like the trial. And and it's, I didn't want to spoil it just because, like, it's, like I said, if you're intrigued by that or just watch the first episode. If the first episode doesn't take you, then don't don't finish it off. But or maybe finish the. I would say watch the first two for sure because like they bring in a whole other conspiracy. It's like an hour each one. Yeah, so oh, they bring a whole other conspiracy. So thirteen hours. This is a thirteen hour commitment. And yeah, and okay. I don't and I don't want to give any more details to it because if I do, it might spoil <clears throat> like what you see coming mm-hmm. next. Mm-hmm. But it was just it was just like making a murder where you're you're just questioning you know who who like. W- what's going on in terms of like when someone dies it's like and it like the legal system mm-hmm. and everything in your defense you know like who you have the person themselves well and it's it's almost like a like a horror movie i would say except it's way more intense because some people you know if you like those kinds of things there's something about it being real <laughs> that's very terrifying and then also yeah like what you said it's the whole system and trying to understand and we may not work in it or heck people watching it may work in it and it might be like a little bit of a window into that world that we don't usually get 
So yeah, I, it's a very, very high recommend, but it's, it's a bit heavy. So just knowing that it's one of those things where you're like, you don't want to, you're not, I don't really think a person is going to be able to sit there and say like, okay, I'm going to watch one episode and then hold off and watch, you know, like they're not going to slow burn this one. You're going to fast burn it. So mm. kind of know that, but it's also heavy. It's like, it's not going to really put you like in this chipper mood yes. because so it's a crime docudrama. So you're saying if it's someone like, addictive like myself let's say who lost an entire evening to evil genius that i shouldn't but evil genius was a anime based on oh no evil yes, genius was, yes evil yes. genius was that Amy, one you watched that one too i think right i watched a little bit yeah yes you're okay. gonna be I, I haven't watched evil genius and now i'm almost scared to even try watching evil genius that one is similar, because... evil genius is similar that like by the end of the first episode you're like well i'm gonna finish this yes <laughs> like, that's, that's yes i cannot recommend a staircase enough and I could be getting the person wrong, but I was really going to steer clear from talking about it. Or, But I think I looked at a tweet, and I think it was Mark Duplass that said, watch The Staircase. I won't see anything else. And I was like, wow, if Mark Duplass, who I respect as a person on television and the stuff that he writes in the shows and movies, that is, I know you don't. And I was like, I need to like at least explore and see what this is. And sure enough, I got out. Well, he was one of the producers of Wild Wild Country, which is another one that's like, yo... That was another one you watch one episode and you're like, okay, that's clear my schedule. The only hesitation you had about starting the staircase was how intensely like into it you would get. Or the time commitment. Well, right? it, yeah, because knowing that it's 13 episodes, it's the time gotcha. commitment of do I do this or do I watch something else to inform you guys and talk about here. But it, yeah, I got sucked in. Um, any, You guys have anything else before we move on from Netflix originals, film, and television? Um, on the new release front, I don't believe so. Not not Netflix related. I kept trying to find really hidden gems within the Netflix. All right, so we'll, so we'll get there. But first, yeah. uh, we have a little message for you yes. guys. New from AfterBuzz TV, which I think Steve Kaufman is going to deliver. Hey, AfterBuzzers. Here at the network, we produce after shows for nearly all of your favorite TV shows from dramas, reality television, sci-fi, and more. There is no network that works harder to serve television fans. But now we need your help. We're asking you to please subscribe to one or more of our YouTube channels. Besides helping us a ton, here's what's in it for you. It caters to specific content you already like, and it will bring that content directly to you. It brings you your favorite after shows so you don't have to seek them out. And it suggests content from other channels or podcasts that might interest you. Subscribing to our YouTube channels will also help you discover new shows we're sure you are going to love. Since you're already tuned into the home AfterBuzz TV channel that will give you a lot of in-depth show network-based stuff, you might be interested in, to as an example, on this channel, youtube.com slash TV, I have an interview with Seth Rogen. I'll pin it in the comments. That exists on this channel that you wouldn't get unless you were subscribed to this channel. They also do, I don't know. It's mini spotlights. Mini spotlight on. Amy Cassandra Martinez does, yep. Yep. Those we, are there. Yeah. Um, also, because cause she's mini. Also, yes, um, just for me. A little, a little known show, you might have heard of it. It's called uh, Netflix Picks. Oh, yeah. Have you guys heard of that yeah, show? Yeah, I heard it's fantastic. That's a fantastic show. <laughs> And it's here on YouTube.com slash AfterBuzzTV. Every Sunday at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Bringing it in. I love it. So if you're listening to us right now, if you're listening to us right now, go ahead and subscribe to us on YouTube. If you're worried about pesky notifications, don't ring the bell. 
the ra- the bell is completely optional. You don't have to do that. It's easy. Hit the subscribe button, and now it's even an even easier experience. And if you let us know that you did in the comments, we will shout you out on air. Thank you for being the best fans, and we promise to continue to do our best to serve you. Yay! <laughs> yeah, awesome. So, okay, so now we're talking non-Netflix releases, and... Amy, let's start with you because you visited, like you, you like something that dropped, and it has Disney and. Mm-hmm. Well, here's <laughs> and maybe the, you have a hundred and one reasons why people should watch. Oof. No, no. Here's the deal: I had just seen Incredibles two, which go watch it by the way. You really should. And I was kind of in this this whole like nostalgic feel kind of a thing that I wanted to kind of revisit some older movies that I hadn't seen in a while, which I also suggest you guys do. So when I saw 101 Dalmatians was on there, <laughs> the live action, mm. I wanted to give it a try. I mean... This is the one with Glenn Close mm-hmm. as... Uh, Cruella DeVille. Cr- yes. Which, okay, serious question for you guys. Did you know that you spelled DeVille like devil? Oh, I was thinking like a, oh, like, like, a, like a car. Yeah, I know, right? Like D-E-V-I-L-L-E, not oh. like D-E-V-I-L. Yeah, isn't that crazy, though? Is this about Be- to be a Mandela effect? So she's cru- she's Cruella Devil. Basically, but they say DeVille. Right. It was just like a what to me. Uh, but yeah, and so I watched it. It was fun. There's a lot of issues with the film, but if you just forget those, <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, they rush so, like, quickly into marriage that it's not even funny like so how well do you remember the animated version I, uh, vaguely <laughs> so you vaguely. can't really compare to say like how well the live action was done compared to the animated although i'm I imagining mean, because it's disney the animated was probably more superior i don't know about that because there's something about real dalmatians real puppies like the real pongo and pretty i thought it was perdita but they kept saying pretty. Maybe it was just a little uh, nickname. Well, maybe thing. you're trying to make it like your Latin culture, so it's perdida per- as opposed perdita. to. Perdita. Nah, nah, um, but yeah, I mean, seeing those puppies do their thing was still adorable. And they're so stinking cute that there's something about animated puppies that's just not the same. But yeah, it was fun. And just to see, I mean, this was back in the 90s to see how much yeah, stuff has how changed. Yeah, how much. That's, that's another, right. Like, like back in the day, there was no way that they could do Beauty and the Beast live action. It wouldn't look, it would look awful. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, it looked but, awful when they did it live action. I mean, <laughs> currently. There's a lot of good things about that movie. But <laughs> yes, uh, 1994, I want to say, is when it came out, mid 90s. And to see that kind of uh, quality, it's just something about, about the 90s that I really do love. That's why I wanted to watch it <laughs> sure. again. And Glenn Close is a freaking rock star still. I mean, watching it years later, I'm like, no, you're still amazing. There's certain things that you'll pick up on after not watching a movie for a good amount of years, over a decade, really. Um, so, yeah, just go revisit your childhood like favorite movies. Don't criticize them too harshly because, child, you really like them. Uh, Steve, would you, would you, you watched a... Uh... The Bombshell, the Hedy Lamar story? Yes. Uh, this is a documentary that I believe aired on PBS oh. uh, before it wound up on Netflix. So some, it, some of you may be some of you may be like critical of me for touting it as a release, but I, it's the first I've seen it. I've heard of it before. Hedy Lamar was an Austrian Jew who, who in the 40s was an actress who eventually left because that's not a place you wanted to be. Because she was in, like, Austria, Germany, that area. Sure. So she left. She was a bombshell. She was a wonderful-looking woman. She went to Britain. Um, 
she went to Britain and then she wound up in Los Angeles and she wound up in a bunch of movies. And she was also really, really, really smart. She was an inventor. She was a lot of cool things and she did a lot of cool things in Los Angeles. She had one of those really weird um, L.A. actress, actor, actress contracts where you pretty much worked like 15 hours to the studio. Mm -hmm. She would spend her nights um, inventing stuff. And one of the things she invented was a little tablet, and it was all about the war effort at that time, was a little tablet that would allow anyone with this tablet to create Coca-Cola if they had water. Oh, see, I was thinking like the iPad. I was saying, no, we're getting there. That was just a, that's that's a random example of something Hedy Lamar made in her spare time. So a little bit different than Alka-Seltzer. Something she also did was in the in the process of watching war, like watching the war reels in front of movies. She learned that there was a huge problem with German. Um, us trying to sink German U-boats with torpedoes that you would the time it would take to actually shoot a torpedo at a German U-boat and then direct it to that German U-boat, you would need to constantly change the radio signal to readjust the course, okay. which we had the ab- ability to do. But Germans realized all they needed to do was jam all the radio frequencies and then the torpedo would be useless. What mm-hmm. she figured out was similar to a player piano. If you jumped from frequency to frequency to frequency to frequency you could actually divert that whole process and then the torpedo would be able to make it to the submarines. She introduces this. They disregard it because she's her. And then they t- this documentary talks a lot about her. But the Navy later, within the 30 years that it was her, her intellectual property, used this and eventually developed it to a point where sh- frequency hopping is just native to cell phones, Bluetooth, Wi-Fi. Hedy Lamar is a bombshell who created Wi-Fi. I was trying to really wind up to that. Th- that's who this what? person was. So she was a freaking rock star. She was a legit saying. bombshell in every sense of the word that wow. both actresses and STEM kids alike can look up to and, and admire. Yeah. And I'm happy that a documentary like that is out there. Oh and it's a very God. well done documentary. I it's sorry spoilers it they give that they give that away in the opening of the thing because that's how they that's how you sell it like who let Hedy Lamar is and right it's, and it's someone most people didn't know anything about her until about 2016 when someone I'm not don't quote me but I want to say it was Vanity Fair or it was probably the New York Post had a tape interview had a taped interview with her that no one had asked like there was an interview with this guy who was literally like. I've been waiting like 15 years for someone to ask me about Hedy Lamar. Oh, wow. So I can play this tape of her literally tell- talking about her entire life. She had like six different, she had like six different husbands, three or four kids. Also, each? No, With three, the, total, oh, total, okay, total. Sorry. Okay. It's, like, oh. it's like, like, the, like the Brady Bunch. The a little bit. Where it's not, it's not from the same, like, yeah. But, but a wonderful documentary, wonderful woman. We need to, yeah. Yeah, let's find out about all these women that we don't know about well speaking of a woman from hollywood who is a legend she dropped a special but i have not seen it yet barbara streisand Mm. however i watched a re-release that was dropped specifically to netflix with extra footage in it and i'd seen it before but it is a star is born and this isn't the lady gaga bradley cooper one however same concept and that's that's the this one is barbara streisand chris christopherson and okay. the Lady Gaga, Bradley Cooper one is a remake of that one. The Barbara Streisand, Chris Christopherson is actually a remake of one from the 30s. Stop. Mm-hmm. So this is like kind of the second remake. Yes. Well, and 
I can't I can't recommend it enough. And if you have any curiosity of the Bradley Cooper Lady Gaga one, yeah. good and bad in the sense of if you don't want maybe that storyline spoiled, then maybe don't watch it, but know that Stars Born exists on Netflix now. But if you do have curiosity, I, re- I recommend that one. It was just as good as the first time that I watched it. I it's been since so long, and like I just I didn't want to dive too deep to see what the extra footage was or mm-hmm. try to figure out what it was. But the story still played out the same. Cool. I feel I can't be the only one that can see kind of some similarities between Barbara Streisand and Lady Gaga, right? Um. Like there's something. There is something I can't really put my finger and on. And here's it. a very, very fun fact is back in the day, he's, he became a studio executive. He's a, he's a producer on Superman. Who, there is a guy named John Peters. Oh. <laughs> John Peters is the guy that they that they created the movie Shampoo that starred Warren Beatty about. John Peters was a hairstylist. Okay. And he became Barbara Streisand's hairstylist, became her lover, became her husband, manager, then became a producer, then became studio executive. Mm. So, like, this is, like, one of his first, like, producing movies that he did. Like, it says a John Peters production. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, Kevin Smith tells an incredible story about John Peters and making a super a Superman movie he wrote that they never made. Yeah, and his exact his his exact saying when he's like she, he used to be her hairdresser and then her lover, and because in Hollywood you just fail upward. So like, so I mean so basically it's, it's kind of like Amy was talking about before. It's like be a hairstylist, and then you know, and then you know you can have a relationship with one of the stars, and then you can become a manager and you can produce, and you can have like run a studio and then run it into the ground. Oh boy, that's I'd like to say that Jonathan from Queer Eye is not doing that. I think he's, he's not. But he you know, just, I think it's funny that we're talking about hairstylists, and I was like, oh, this is this is a really 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 fun fact about A Star Is Born is that that's it was produced by a guy that was initially a hairstylist, have not Superman. anybody you know that tried doing anything in entertainment i mean i wonder if he grew up thinking hey i want to work in the entertainment business but i'll start off by you know i'm just gonna cut hair this makes me happy and then bam doors open for him and i I would like to think he was that self-actualized a person that it's like i'm just gonna float with the breeze and do what makes me happy in the moment and the universe will give me all i want i've met studio executives odds odds aren't good so, all right, guys. Well, you guys always know that you can catch us here every Sunday at 7 p.m., but you can also catch us on iTunes. Please give us five stars because the other ones don't work. And if you do, we will give you a shout-out. Who is in our chat right now? Um, know? I know Star Drew was in the chat. And Star Drew? Oh, we always thank you for tuning in. And he said, well, what a finish. And it reminded me Money in the Bank is happening right now, a show I'm doing here on AfterBuzz TV he later. He said, well, what a finish? And what? I... I believe he was talking about Money in the Bank, so I closed the window for fear that he would tell me the finish to Money in the Bank. Money I'm, in the Bank. That's I'm afraid song, right? of spoilers. I, I am afraid okay. of literally nothing else but spoilers. Amy, hey, do you know who else we have in the chat? I do not because I was not in the chat. Sorry. All right, well, uh, no, 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 that's fine. I meant so, like, no, 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 that's fine. That. We'll we'll give you guys some shoutouts here in a second. But during that, but why, Steve? Why don't you tell us about? Some hidden gems is what we're getting into next. Why don't you tell us about The Little Prince? So, The the Little Prince was this... uh, The Little Prince, by the way, is this novella I've always grown up with from 1945. That it was a French novella called Le Petit Prince, or Le Petit Prince. And it was a really interesting, very deep... It's on a child's level, but fairly philosophical and deep and, like, allegorical and like this really cool novella that I've, I've always cherished in my life. 
Netflix did an animated version of it that's fairly updated because the guy who wrote it we know flew in World War II and was like a big fighter pilot and like people base his manuscript on the little prince and then like try to figure out like well the rose that talked was actually his wife from Serbia and this and that uh Netflix when they made this movie or I believe this movie was made and then Netflix bought it because it premiered in comp- yeah in competition in Cannes in 2015 they um they made a very modernized version where it's a child in more or less our modern world that's trying to get into that's trying to get into a school mm-hmm. and she has a crazy neighbor voiced by Jeff Bridges who kind of portrays the idea of the author of the little prince so much so that like in this universe the little prince exists as a manuscript that this crazy next door neighbor has and it's just this really really breathtaking visual it's and i believe it was it was at can at 2015 it probably would have been not this most recent oscars but the oscars before that either nominated for best animated or should have been nominated for best animated um stalling try to remember what won two years ago if it was coco last year it was probably a disney pixar thing the year before but little prince is amazing it's there's some depth um an all-star cast i mean it's, it's been in my queue for a while i've been wanting mm-hmm. to see it Yes, hidden well, gem by that regard. And then, Amy, you've got what? Allie's Wedding. I, but I do want to say Sky Patterson says, I love The Little Prince. Oh, my God, that film is beautifully made and humbling. So. Sky Patterson, thank you for tuning in. Yes. Zias B. Lou, thank you for tuning in. Serenity Q26, thank you for t- tuning in. Star Drew, obviously we give you a shout-out as well. So, uh, Allie's Wedding. Yes, okay, so this this is a very interesting film because I... I was, again, like I said earlier, I was trying to find some hidden gems that I wouldn't normally watch. Because sometimes, like you guys, I I just don't want to watch the same thing over and over again. So, like, not the same kind of rom-com. Not, you know, like, some scary true crime thing. Mm. or Yeah, we always want to try to shake it up. All of us. Exactly. We, all, we all do. So, I'm going to read you guys the description of it because this does a really good job. <laughs> After telling a white lie that spins out of control, the son of an Iraqi-born cleric in Melbourne becomes torn between family duty and his own heart. So this is definitely, like, not a world that we see very often. I mean, like, talking about inclusion, you know, this was one movie that I was like, whoa, this is different. It's really cool. I say give it a shot because it is slightly different. Um, It's funny. It's... uh, it's nicely nicely cast, I would say, as well. And it's... How many times have I said different? It's different. Okay. It's different, and I think you should give it a shot because it's not something that we would normally watch. Um, it is kind of like rom-com-y, but, but not your stereotypical rom-com. So... Okay. Yeah. I mean, if I hope that interests you guys because it was one of those where I was like, what is this? I started watching a lot of stuff, and I was just not feeling it this week. My standards were very high, especially with Queer Eye Season 2. So, yeah, this this actually did a really good job. All right, and every single week we talk about some Netflix news, and here's a big piece of news this week. After Buzz TV News. So on the Fox Networks, they had Lucifer get canceled, mm. and so Lucifer did a big campaign called Hashtag Save Lucifer. And right before the weekend, they did announce that Lucifer Season 4 will be on Netflix. Word. So I'm interested to see how that goes. Congratulations, Joe Henderson and Ildi Madrovich, because you guys and everybody else that campaigned for Save Lucifer, uh, yeah, I want to see, do they drop the whole thing at once, all 13 episodes? Now that it's on Netflix, can they 
change? Do the, does the writing change from network writing? Mm. I feel like it wouldn't because you have all these fans already associating this kind of style of writing with Lucifer. So if they tweak anything, you might lose people. No, but you can, you can and you know, add just a little bit of edge to it. That's what I'm saying. Just add a little bit of edge. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is one of the first DC series that's on Netflix versus Marvel, mm. which has been dropping a ton of stuff. So this is the first DC series to wind up on Netflix exclusively. Exclu- I think. I think most, if not all, of the DC Universe shows, anyone, anything from Supergirl Legends of Tomorrow to Gotham, which I happen to do the after show for it after those TV, um, those all wind up on Netflix. But this is the first time Lucifer. What I will say is they're probably not going to change very much, A, because that's what Netflix bought. So they're not going to want to change the winning strategy. But B, Lucifer's already had 100 episodes or close to it. So they're going to want to reach 100 episodes and syndicate those episodes. So they're not going to want to ch- get too edgy. That they still can't air 3 p.m. But same thing. Like, do they do they drop the whole season versus? I know like they've been dropping it like once a week on network network. So like, I mean, let's let's see what this what the uh, programming strategy will be mm-hmm. for this. So guys, here are the top five releases for next week. Uh, I think we all agree we we will be watching. We will we will be talking about it. There will be an after show. Amy will be talking about it on Marvel TV Weekly. Luke Cage Woo! number one. Luke Cage uh, number two. Defender. Cooking on high. I'm sure Ashley Cheney might have some stuff to talk about this. I mean, it sounds like cooking on high. Uh, Wait. I'm I'm into it. Yeah. Darren Brown, Miracle. Brain on fire. And, well, since we talked about 101 Dalmatians, Disney's Tarzan. Oh, yeah. Hmm. I just noticed Tarzan 2 is already on there. So. They're trying to to match up. That, what, cooking on high? Uh, that sounds like yeah, you're not high, meaning, meaning meaning with meaning meaning with uh yeah Mar- like you know marijuana, marijuana stuff yeah. yeah like you know like that's baked awesome. goods and everything so we'll, we'll see if ashley cheney like decides to pop this thing on and has interest and talks about it or tells tells us why she doesn't like it but <laughs> in the meantime in cassandra martinez where can everybody find you <laughs> you guys can find me on instagram yes Thank you, shirt. Uh, on all social media as well, at Amy Cassandra MTZ. I'm Steve Kaufman. You can find me on Twitter almost exclusively at Steve Kaufman. That is K A U F M A N N. I manage four different pro wrestling related YouTube channels. You want to know who they're for? Go ahead and find me on Twitter. Hey guys, and I'm Rick Hong. You can find me on all social media at Rick Hong, R I C K H O N G. And Ashley Cheney should be back here next week. You guys can find her on Ashley. On camera. Ashley on camera. So until next week, we will be talking Luke Cage here, Yay! cooking on high, and same time, same place. Thank you for tuning in. From executive producers Maria Manunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz, see you later. The views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.